Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hey, all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hey, Shelby. Hey, Austin. You ready to talk about some Dragon Age? I am. All right. Well, what do we got today? Well, we are talking about the circles today. Ooh. Yeah. It seems a very uh, round point you're going to make. How can it be round and have a point at the same time? Why, why are you the way you are? <laughs> why are you the way you are? You didn't like my joke? You didn't like my joke? Yeah. <laughs> you can be round and have a point because it's called a rounded tip on a sword. But it's not round. It's rounded. <sighs> <laughs> well, let's get into our topic instead of continuing to argue about the difference between round and rounded. Anyway. <laughs> so what do we got? Well, we're talking about the circles today, and um, yeah, I'm just going to start with my fun facts. Last week, we didn't have any fun facts, but we are back with a vengeance today. So, my first fun fact is this. In Southern Thetis, the circles were founded in 120 Divine, officially founded, with the signing of the Navarin Accord. And we've talked about these accords in the past multiple times. Uh, because the signing of them also ended the First Inquisition and created the orders of the Templars and the Seekers at the same time. So that means that it also created the official orders of the Circles of Magi as well. So as it stands now, well, I guess it's a little bit unknown after Inquisition, but we're just going to... We're going to talk about the circles tonight, today, 
Um, as if the Mage Templar War has not happened yet. So we're going to talk about how they existed just prior to the Mage Templar War. And we will talk about, you know, what happens after the war, what is currently happening in the timeline, but I just think it's easier to talk about some of the history as if we're from the perspective from just before the war. That's fair. So, anyway, so Timbars oversee the mages. Seekers oversee and check the Templars. And the Chantry controls the flow of lyrium to all of them. Well, Seekers don't use lyrium, but... I guess that's true, but... The Chantry over, uh, controls the flow of lyrium to both Templars and mages. Right. So, in theory, it's fair and it has, like, checks and balances. In practice, maybe not so much, but in theory, in theory it does. So, my next fun fact is uh, just a little reference to Tevinter. We are not going to do an episode on circles in Tevinter because we just don't have enough information. But, in Tevinter, the circles are pretty different um, than they are in the rest of Thedas. They are not ruled by the Templars, which we referred to in our Imperial Chantry episode, nor are they ruled by the Imperial Chantry itself. Instead, they are overseen by prominent magisters. Templars are used in Tevinter, but they're really spineless and they just, they don't pack a punch in the same way that Southern Templars do. Right. So then my third fun fact is that circles tend to be located in remote and difficult to reach areas. So think of Kenlock Hold, which is the circle on Lake Callanhad. Not only is it in a remote location from, you know, Redcliffe or Dinneram or other cities in Ferelden, you also have to cross the lake to even get to it. Right. So um, I put in my notes that circles tend to be located in remote and difficult to reach areas, except for Kirkwall, apparently. Yeah, I mean... Because why that circle is located there, I have no idea. I think it's probably that the wilderness around Kirkwall is not the best for control. Yeah, that's probably true. All right, so my last fun fact for today is kind of about culture. So in, in Southern Thetis, circles are supposed to be safe havens for mages to live in, in the midst of a culture that hates and fears them. And they are supposed to respect the rights of mages. However, as we know in practice, this doesn't often happen, and in fact, circles are often places where mages are further oppressed. However, in comparison into Venter, circles are different. They are more like boarding schools and are more prestigious than your regular everyday school that you would go to. Right. So circles function differently in Ferelden, Orlais, all of the countries of Southern Thetis than they do in Tevinter, which if you think about their political structures, I think that makes sense. Right. It makes, it makes total sense. All right. Are you ready to get into the structure? I am as always. 
Okay. So, I always learn something when I do research, but I always forget, like, the structure of the circles. Like, I can't ever remember the difference between, like, the first enchanter and the grand enchanter and all those things. So, doing this research for tonight's episode really helped me kind of remember some of those differences. Um, So, I think this part's a little interesting. So, at the top is the grand enchanter. And they are the circles representative to the Chantry and an advisor to the Divine. Fiona was the most recent Grand Enchanter, and there's usually only one at a time. Just below the Grand Enchanter are the first Enchanters. They are the leader of one singular circle. They routinely gather in Cumberland, and their group, all of them together, is known as the College of Magi. So there are multiple of them. There are as many first enchanters as there are circles in Theta. It's so interesting to me. So like the grand enchanter is really kind of on the same level as the um, night vigilant of yes, yeah, of the Templar order. But Fiona is treated by almost everyone in the game as if she's just another mage like and yeah but really like the only people in like the chantry like hierarchy that would outrank her if you have her in inquisition would be cassandra and liliana as left and right hand of the divine yeah that's true that's a really good point um yeah and i also think she just doesn't really act like the grand enchanter like why would she sell herself into slavery to deventer i still I personally don't understand that writing decision. Um, I'm not sure I ever will. Um, Well, it's story like it has to do with that. I thought that um, the magister Alexius, he manipulated magic and time to like basically trick her into doing that. I mean, I think that that's true, but it still doesn't make sense. Like, the Fiona that we meet in um, the the novels, I think that she would see through that trickery, even if it is time magic, because she's a super powerful, like, mage. Um, so, so it's just hard for me to believe that he was able to trick her so easily. And also, like, the logical fallacy of her decision-making, like... Yeah, she's going to sell all these mages into, like, indentured servitude or whatever they call it into Venter. But she's not thinking about, like, yeah, okay, she's a mage, but she's also an elf. Like, she's not going to get this place in society that she has now. Right. So, I, anyway, we're off topic. It's fine. I just don't understand it. Right. Um, but lower than the first enchanter is a senior enchanter. And there's multiple of these as well. And they are a small council of the most experienced mages in each circle. So there's probably like three or four from each circle, and they kind of serve as advisors to the first enchanter. Which is why Wynne is like in the Asunder book, why she's coming there, because she's a senior enchanter, right? That, that, yes, that's true. But also, Wynne kind of has special privileges as like, 
a veteran of the Fifth Blight and right. a companion to the hero of Ferelden and a survivor of Ostagar and also like a survivor of everything that happened at the Circle in Ferelden. So she definitely has special privileges that other mages do not. Right. And like all the companions of DAO, whether or not they, depending on the thing, contain special privileges as they walk around as veterans of the Fifth Blight. Because even Alistair, if you make him a warden, He's still only like, eh, like he's not a warden commander, but he's like a, I forget what the uh, like mid tier is. He has a position is. of leadership. Yeah, and his he has a remarkable amount of freedom to move around for a warden. That's true. Um, yeah, so I think those are probably pretty comparable. Um, and then under the senior enchanters are just a regular enchanter, and enchanters are any mage who tutors or teaches an apprentice. And they typically specialize in a field of study. Um, and then just below this is a mage. And that's all residents of a circle who have passed their harrowing. And then finally, the lowest tier is the apprentice. And that is just all students who are training for their harrowings. Here's a question that you might not know because you haven't finished the, your playthrough. But what rank well i guess he's a gray war your hero is a gray warden if they're a mage so they wouldn't receive a rank within the circle because they're outside the circle's jurisdiction no that's not true um because i have finished that playthrough number one number two they pass their harrowing so they are a full mage right but i just wondered if they would be granted any kind of like accolades for their work in the blight i'm sure they were but i don't think by the circles hmm because they don't go, you know, the hero of Ferelden doesn't go back to the circle as far as we're aware. Right. Um, did you have any other questions before we move into history? No. Okay. So, ancient history. Let's do this. So, I think probably the most interesting things a thing about the circles is that they're older than the Chantry. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty significant because the Chantry is super old. I mean, yes, there are older societies in Thetis, but the Chantry is pretty old, and the Circles are older than they are. And they also originated into Venter. There's a lot that happens before the Chantry is founded, but like as far as like the modern calendar of Thetis is concerned, it's marked by the beginning of the Chantry. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Because everything else is lumped into the ancient era. Or ancient age, yeah. or whatever it's called. I mean, excluding Tevinter, which right. they exclude Tevinter anyway. So, well, Tevinter has its own calendar. Yes, they do. Um, so yeah, circles were in Tevinter locations where the most powerful mages researched and practiced magic, and this kind of continued into uh, the rest of Southern Thetis, like pre-Chantry. So. After Tevinter converted to Androstianism, um, Hesarian was the Archon at this time. He uh, basically eliminated the worship of the old gods at the same time, and he converted all of the old god temples into circles for the mages. Um, for what it's worth, the magisters and the ruling class absolutely hated this but the soporati or the everyday people 
um, overwhelmingly supported this action, which is not surprising. And we've talked about that on uh, previous episodes before, I believe. Right. Which makes sense because you're always going to have a disconnect between your aristocracy and your nobility and your everyday yeah. people. What they, and that happens in our world, too. Yeah. What they desire, their problems, their worldview is going to be vastly different than the magisters or even the uh, non-magister mages. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because they don't have as much um, privilege in society. It's just, uh-huh. it's just the truth. Um, so... Also in this kind of ancient era, the mages and the circles gained significant independence during the Second Blight when Orlesian Emperor Cordillus Draken I enlisted them to, fl- to fight the Blight with their full power. They weren't holding back. Um, and this, I think, really marks like a turning point um, in maybe in culture, but also in just like how mages are treated in the world. Um, because yes, they were feared before and after, but I think there's also a little bit level of respect for the power that they wield, um, after they start fighting blights. Right. So, um, that's most of the ancient history. To be honest, I wish we knew more about it. I would love to know what, like, it was like to be a mage in the time of the first blight or in, like, the time of this in-between period, like when um, worship of Andraste was a thing, but before the Chantry, I really want to know more about that time period. I think it's super interesting. Right. And like, I want to know what mages were like outside of Tevinter in the ancient age, because we kind of know yes. what what magic was like in Tevinter during then, really linked to the worship of the old gods, blood magic, all that kind of stuff. But we don't really know about mages outside of that um that's a really good point and i think until recently honestly we didn't know a lot about mages outside of ferelden and orlay either mm-hmm. but you know with the release of the Tevinter knights book we got a really good look into what mages are like in navara so um i'm hopeful for some more content about that too right um, well let's talk about modern history real quick and then we can take our break all right sounds good so I don't have a lot to say about this because we could just literally play the games, right? Um, but I just wanted to mention what happens to the circles after the events of Inquisition. So it definitely depends on the decisions you make and specifically who is divine. So if Cassandra or Vivian become divine, the circles are reinstated as they used to be with changes of course but like all of those buildings all of them are still reinstated they're reused all that kind of stuff under Liliana the circles are dissolved but also under Liliana a lot of mages don't agree with that decision and they rebuild the circles themselves all three divines make major reforms to the circles At differing levels, Vivian makes the least changes, Liliana makes the most changes, and Cassandra is somewhere in the middle. But regardless of who is made divine, the mages of the Inquisition push for independence from the circle, and they form the College of Enchanters. Hmm. And they do not go back to the circles. 
So no matter what happens, no matter who you side with, no matter what you choose, there is still significant division among the mage community. Goes to show that like going into DA4, there's just a lot of division going across all of Fadis. Like Taventer's yeah. dealing with its own kind of everything really and like a civil war almost yeah and like you've got like the people like like dorian who want to see a good reform and changes like that and then you've got people who want to keep things the same and consolidate power on another side and you've also got fenris and his Mm. party hunting down and killing magisters which are probably just causing a lot of problems for everyone um, yeah, L- literally everyone is at odds with other people. The Grey Wardens, the Grey Wardens have gone silent. Ferelden is being Ferelden. Depending on what you decided in two and how you d- did war table missions, the Free Marches are being besieged by Starkhaven. Um, Orlay had its own civil war and its things like that. The Circles are after each other. That who knows what the Templars are doing with, and, and we the can't seekers. forget about the Canari. Yeah, and the Canari, the military and the religion, and like, yeah, the other group are against each other too. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I I feel like it's their version of World War Two. Right. That's or, what I feel like it's you, their version of. You know the start of. Um, Star Wars A New Hope when it's just like it's a period of civil war yes it's just like that exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) anything else about no I think I think we're good to take our break all right well let's go Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So... I'm listening. Ah, oh, you've returned. A letter arrived for you. All right. Well, welcome to the middle of the show where we take our time to thank our patrons and just tell you what's kind of going on with the show and all of that going on. So first, I want to list and thank our patrons. Um, as the promotion, these are our first five patrons that we read out every episode of the show and so that's lisa m derek b fletcher m genesis and zuba um i just really like saying that name zuba zuba (laughs) me too um and so yes thank you for your support um you can join our patreon if you love the show there are different tiers with different benefits You can join that and find the link in the episode description. Uh, If you cannot support us financially, we totally understand. It is not something we are expecting from any of our listeners. Um, But you can go. A good way to support us is you can go and leave us a review on either Apple Podcast or Spotify Podcast. And if you leave us a five-star review with some words, we will read them out on the show. And so with that, Shelby, do we have a review? We do. Um, And this one is from Miss Jackson Trinity, and their title is Amazing Information. 
Love listening while playing through the series. It has been fantastic research for my Dragon Age tabletop RPG campaign that I'm putting together. Much love, guys. Hope you get all the success. Thank you so much. And also, can I join your TTRPG, please? <laughs> Seriously. I'm all for that. Let's go. So, yeah, thank you so much for that review. We love to get reviews and to hear good things about the podcast. Um, and so now to our middle section, we're here with our Heroes, Hawks, and Heralds section. So, Shelby, do we have one to share? I do. Okay, so this one this one came from our Discord, and if you haven't joined that, you totally should, because we have a channel just for Heroes, Hawks, and Heralds, where you can post your original characters, and we will highlight them on the show. So, this one is Helena Lavellan, and this is from Medieval Binge Princess 69. Um, so, Helena... Yeah. Who is this? What is this? Is this a hero, a hawk, or a herald? I'm getting there. I'm getting okay. there. You didn't give me the chance. So, um, actually, I already said that she's a Lavellan, so yeah. she is a herald. Um, and she is a female Dalish hunter rogue, and she romanced Cullen. She ran away slash escaped from the Dinnerum Orphanage in her late teens after Blood Mages took over it. Eventually, she accidentally ran into and was taken in by a Dalish clan. She traveled with them for 10 plus years before the start of Inquisition. Her favorite party members were Cassandra, Solus, and Sarah, a really fun group that I'm sure hates each other. <laughs> um, Helena chose, or Helena sided with the Templars because she was still a little scared of the mages. She also chose Selene to rule. Helena helped the Wardens rebuild. Morrigan drank from the Well of Sorrows. Cassandra became divine, and the Inquisition became a peacekeeping under organization under divine Victoria. Awesome. And that's Helena Lavellan. Thanks for sharing. Um, as Shelby mentioned, uh, you can find us and talk to us in several places, the first of which is always Twitter. You can tweet at us at DA Lorecast, um, and we will answer any questions or any engage in any comments you have there. Um, you can also join our Discord, our personal Discord server, which the link will be found in the description. We have all kinds of channels in there to talk about Dragon Age or other things going on. You can see pictures of our dog and other people, do other dogs and pets. It's a great time to hang out there. Um, you'll find that link in the episode description. You can also join the Robots Radio Discord server, also in the episode description. Uh, we have a Dragon Age channel there. And you can also see a bunch of our other Robots Radio Network and Rocket Club podcasts there that you might be interested in. Um, you'll hear a couple ads in the show for them, and that's a really great thing. Um, other than that, yeah, that's it. All right, let's get to it. My friend. You fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. Okay, so before we get into some of the more nitty gritty stuff, there are two other groups um, in the circles that um, weren't really in like the structure and I didn't really know where to put them in the history. So they're just kind of their own thing. So first are the Formari. You may not have heard of this one. Um, I hadn't. But Formari is um, composed of 
people who focus on using their talents to create items, most notably enchantments. So they also create and sell herbal items such as potions. So enchantment? Yeah, I was waiting on that. Technically, the Tranquil belong to this group, but they're also kind of separate. Um, so the Formari do all of the enchanting on behalf of the Circle as um, they do work with Raw Lyrium. And they are less of a political organization and more akin to like a trade guild. Um, and then Formari also have more contact with the outside world than other mages. So they also retain trading posts and trade houses in major cities in order to conduct business for the circle. So an example of this would be the wonders of Thetis shop in Denerim. Dagna is a uh, Formari. Yes, 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 exactly. If you send her to the circle. Yeah, you don't have to, but you should. She deserves it. She's so cute. She does. And I love her. Um, And then the second group are the Tranquil. And mages who are Tranquil are mages who are too weak. That's the way that the circles put it. um, To resist demonic possession. And they are forced and sometimes occasionally they willingly volunteer to go through the rite of tranquility. This rite uses Illyrium brand to cut off a mage's connection to the Fade. Therefore, this also cuts off their ability to dream and access any magic. In the process, their emotional center is also removed or damaged. It was formerly believed that demons could not possess the Tranquil, but in actuality, they just don't want to. Because demons want to experience human emotions. And Tranquil do not experience emotions the same way that a non-Tranquil would. So demons don't have any motivation to possess a Tranquil. Mm-hmm. Which is heartbreaking um, in its own way. Yeah, I think we would be a little remiss if we didn't even just pause and kind of talk about the right of Tranquility. Um, with the circles because it's something that really affects them the most. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think about it in like, it's a really, really, really terrible thing to do to someone. It is. Like, I have been trying ever since we were preparing for this episode, I've been trying to think of like almost a modern day equivalent and I, I, I just can't. Like, it is... It feels like one of the most horrific things you can do it's, to another person. It's forced lobotomy. Um, yeah. And that that's really our closest example that we could really point to is forced lobotomies. Yeah. Um, and I don't even feel like that sums it up entirely. No, because it, and it's just a, like, it seems like an inexcusable thing to force on a person. Um, yeah. And that's just kind of like, and the seekers, most seekers don't even know that they are made tranquil before they get their powers. Yeah, I was getting there. Yeah. Uh, For that. Sorry to talk a little bit. It's okay. But I was thinking about, uh, you know, some mages do choose to go through the rite of tranquility. I'm sure they're few yes. and far between. Um, yeah. And like, there's a point in like, 
as you know, in the Python, I'm a big DC fan. Um, and I really like the show Young Justice. And in that show, they talk about kind of like the people with powers, and they're called metahumans. Um, for Shelby's Marvel brain, they're similar to inhumans. Um, yeah. And so, but there's a moment where they start like doing more positive, like, outreach to metahumans and teaching them to control their powers and that school has something called like inhibitor collars which basically just block their powers um but it's always a choice of the people at this school to take it or not they decide when it goes on they decide when it comes off um and i think that's really kind of the difference in that um with that between a mage like choosing for themselves to do this to say like i'm too afraid of myself and, like, I will have my own peace of mind. But even even at that point, the risk of losing your entire emotional center, you're losing what makes you a human being in a way. Um, yeah, or just like a person. The, the tranquility is taking away someone's personhood. Um, and that's something that even if someone is choosing that still borders on highly unethical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it absolutely is. Because how can, how can you ever know or fully comprehend the consequences of that action? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that anyone who chooses tranquility is really thinking through the consequences of tranquility. I think that they are thinking through the consequences of demonic possession. Yes. Because, like... There's no coming back from demonic possession. Once you're possessed, you're possessed. Like, as we know from Anders and Justice, you know, and that's a spirit. That's not even a demon. So, right. um, I think that fear is a major motivating factor in this scenario. Yeah. And that's another point about tranquility that I think that, like, the games don't talk about it. Most mages fear demon possession as much as the everyday person or the templar does they fear being if not more yeah they fear being possessed just as much if not more as templars fear them turning into abominations yes and i think i think there are a few mages we meet throughout the games that are like the power hungry like yes, I want to be possessed so that I can have more power so that I can dominate you, right? There are a few of those, but they're few and far between. Most of the mages that we meet are afraid or fearful of demonic possession. They don't want to be possessed, like you just said. And so it's it's so sad to me that so many of the mages do end up turning to demonic possession because that's what they're forced to do. That's where they're pushed. Like, you can keep oppressing someone for so long and so much that they break. And that's exactly what happens when most of the mages turn to possession because they're at their breaking point. And how do you resist something that's in your head? Mm-hmm. And not I don't only- know if I would be strong enough to resist that. Right. And demons are actively thinking to manipulate and aggravate mages to that point yes 100 percent. so it's a double-edged sword in that not only are the templars pushing them to that point but the demons are also pulling them yes yep it's a catch-22 for sure yes 
So anyway, enough about that. Yeah, no worries. But the last thing I have to say before we move on um, is that in Inquisition, we learn that there is a cure to tranquility and the Seekers possess it. We also learn that there is a cure to tranquility in the book Asunder. And in the rite in which a seeker becomes a seeker, they are made tranquil and they come out of it. Yes, which we know is like the big, the discovery of this is like the big catalyst for the Mage Templar War. Right. Well, the, the publication of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, are you ready to move on to our next topic? I am. Okay, this is the last one before our side character for the evening. So, I wanted to talk about fraternities within um, the college or the circles of Magi. And when I say fraternities, like, don't think, don't think Kappa Alpha, don't, don't think any of those, like, no. We're talking about groups of people who are affiliating with one another based on like their political interests and social interests as well. It's more akin to cohort. It's similar, not really though, because uh, your cohort usually is like your class, like your age group or, or whatever. It's more akin, I think, to political parties. Because they each have different motivations and um, reasons for existing and different, like, platforms, which I'll get into. So, the first ones are the Equitarians. And um, I think these are the ones we know the most about, probably. Um, And the Equitarians are the dominant faction in the College of Magi in general. And specifically in Freldon's Circle. They tend to promote a moderate and popular viewpoint, which is that mages must use their abilities in a responsible and ethical manner, regardless of Chantry law. Equitarians also believe that all mages should help people and follow a set of rules and ideals. In practice, this usually means operating within the more reasonable tenets of Chantry law. Known members of the Equitarians are Wynne, Irving, and Reese. Makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, and then the next group are the Libertarians. Um, they're very different from Libertarians in our world, but they desire the circle to become an autonomous self-regulating order without chantry involvement at any level. Actually, now that I say that, maybe a little bit similar to libertarians in our real world. Um, But while many libertarians advocate the use of peaceful means to ensure their independence, such as the bill of succession that they proposed to the College of Magi in 931 Dragon, there are others within the group who are willing to pursue violent means to achieve their own ends. And the subgroup is known as the Resolutionists. Hmm. So, some known members of the Libertarians include Fiona, Aldred, and Adrian. 
So the Equitarians and the Libertarians are the two largest of the fraternities, and they are the two that tend to butt heads the most, and they're the two that tend to get the most, um, they get, they get the most time and like the, they have the biggest platforms, like, um, they're the most popular. Um, in addition to these two, though, there are some other ones. Most notably, I think first are the isolationists. And they are a small group of mages who wish to separate themselves from the Templars, the Chantry, and even civilization altogether. Both in order to practice magic without scrutiny and to ensure their powers do not negatively affect, affect ordinary non-magic users. Um, one known member is Neal, and he is from the Ferelden Circle, I believe. Mm-hmm. He has the litany. Yes, he does. Um, and then next are the Loyalists, and they follow the Chantry's word as it is written. They are often called Chantry apologists for accepting and even enforcing the Chantry's and the Templars' ever-present supervision. Hmm. So they're kind of like the bootlickers. Yeah. And we don't have any known members of the Loyalists. Um, and then the last one is the Lucrosians. And they prioritize the accumulation of wealth with gaining of political influence a close second. They are very few in number. And I wrote in my show notes, this is unconfirmed, but I wrote Vivian? Question mark? LOL. <laughs> I could definitely see that, but I also see Vivli Vivian in the Equitarians. Yeah, uh, I think she probably is officially a member of the Equitarians. Because she's going to join whatever she thinks gets her the most, like... Political sway, yeah. Political sway, and... Because she's not one who wants necessarily, like, be the front force of power. She wants to be in the ear of power. Yeah, that's fair. Kind of like... Very fair. I, I consider Vivian and Tywin Lannister kind of the same character type, except mm. that Vivian is not as nefarious. Um, but, like, Tywin Lannister very much is the person, like, he could have easily taken the throne of Westeros for himself and sat on it and been king, but he never does. He's content to kind of be this administrator and, like, have the ear of power. That's interesting. Um I don't know if it's a one-to-one -one comparison, but I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so those are all the fraternities that we know about. I'm sure there are more and different ones in Tevinter, Um, And I'm sure there are even more in Southern Thetis that we just don't know about yet. And I also, I'm sure there are other fraternities like in other parts of Thetis. These are very Ferelden and Orlais-centered. I'm sure there are others in Navarra, in... Um, Antiva in other places throughout Thetis that have different goals and viewpoints because of their context. Well, the more Talatasi, like they they could be one themselves. That's true, um, but we just we just don't know. Um, but if you do want to learn more about the different fraternities, I recommend reading the Book Asunder. The conversations between the different fraternities in Asunder was my favorite part of the book. And I know that I've said Asunder was not my favorite of the books by any stretch. Um, but definitely the like political machinations kind of like discussions between these two, two groups were some of my favorite parts of the book. So if you're interested in that, I would recommend reading it. Mm -hmm. All right. 
so we're talking about this these circles a good question how many circles are there there is a lot um there's also a lot that have been destroyed so of the ones that we know still exist there count them while i list them there's one in hosberg there's one in antiva city there's one in lake Callanhad. there's one in ansberg hasmel kirkwall markham ostwick cumberland which is the largest and most powerful circle in all of the southern thetis there's one in perindale there was one in Dareswood in Ravane, which was annulled in 940 Dragon. There's one in Ghislaine, Valroyo, Montsimard, which has the best library of all of them. Um, and that's all of them in Southern Thetis. So how many was that, Austin? 14, 15, um, because we probably can't count the Kirkwall Circle. Why? You, you weren't counting destroyed circles. Oh. I guess it still would exist, though, right? Or were all the... Ma well, I guess it depends on what you do. Uh, I mean, here here's the thing. In that chaos, depending on who sided with who or whatever, if you were a mage, would you be staying in that city? That's fair. No, I wouldn't. Okay. Um, are we ready for our side character? I am. Are you excited? I'm really excited. Yeah. I love this character. Oh, really? I didn't know you knew anything about this character. I say that every week. Um, but <laughs> I do love this character because Asunder is the one book that I've dabbled in. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And right. there are war table missions. Oh, yeah. That's true, too. And this person is very important to a companion in Inquisition. Multiple companions in, in the games, too. Yes. So this character is Reese. We do meet him in Asunder, um, and we'll just dive in. So, Reese was born in 902 Dragon. He is currently, uh, or was currently before Inquisition, he was based out of the White Spire in Orlais, and he is the son of Wynne and a Templar. After giving birth to Reese, he was taken away from, from Wynne and raised as an orphan of the Chantry in Orlais. Um, he was taken to the circle when his magic manifested. After the fifth blight, Wen introduced herself to Reese, um, but their relationship was pretty strained from the get-go. Um, and they, honestly, they don't really have much of a relationship because they weren't allowed to. They were separated. Um, but neither the Templar leadership nor the mage leadership realized or knew that Reese was Wen's son, um, after the fifth blight. So that kind of let them have more of a relationship than they probably would have. Right. I do have a question. Is Reese, is Reese's father unknown and unnamed? I will get there. Oh, okay. Give me five minutes. All right. <laughs> um, so Reese became a senior enchanter in 933 at the age of 31, which is pretty impressive, I think. He um, has a really rare specialty. He studies spirits and can even communicate them, um, which is rare, like I said, and is also looked at 
with deep suspicion by the Templars. He's also deeply studied the nature of demons. So in Asunder, this really makes him like a target um, by the Templars. You know, there's the book starts with all these murders that are being mm-hmm. committed by who we know now as Cole, but um, Reese is like the number one suspect because his work is with spirits um, and he studied demons. So they really see him as dangerous. It really makes me want Reese and Solus to interact with each other. I know. That's all I was thinking when I read Asunder. I was like, man, I want them to meet so bad. I just, I just want to be a fly on the wall in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I just mentioned in the book Asunder, murders are taking place in the White Spire. Reese suspects Cole of committing the murders, but Cole at this point can only be seen by Reese. To everyone else, he's invisible. So, honestly, Reese looks kind of crazy because he's talking to nothing. Um, But when he tries to explain that Cole is a spirit who's committing murders, Reese is not believed because of his work with spirits. Instead, again, he is suspected. He's continued to be suspected. But... Before he could be convicted or imprisoned um, on committing these murders, Wynne requests that Reese accompanies her on a mission from the Divine. And of course, it's from the Divine. They have to let him go. Um, But in this time, the murders at the White Spire also draw the attention of the Seekers. And this Mm. is when Lord Seeker Lambert is dispatched to assist and arrives at the White Spire. Ew. (laughs) Boo hiss. Um, So this is kind of like the major plot of the Book Asunder. Um, And there's going to be some spoilers for the rest of the book, which, you know, if you haven't read it, probably skip over this next section or two. But uh, this mission that Wynne brings Reese on was rescuing a mage named Faramond. And Faramond discovered that tranquility could be reversed. When Shale, Reese, Reese's friend Adrian, a Templar named Evangeline, and Cole all go on this mission together. Cole, um, he, he tags along a little bit at the end. They don't really know he's there for a while. As Cole does. Yep. So on their way back from the mission, the rest of the circle finds out about the tranquility discovery, which ignites everything um, and is really one of the factors that ignites the Mage Templar War. So the circle is in shambles. People are freaking out. Things are happening. Templars are pissed. Lord Seeker Lambert's trying to kill everybody. And Divine Justinia V allows the first enchanters to convene at the White Spire to discuss the reformation of the circles. But instead, Fiona leads the enchanters to discuss separation from the Chantry. This, of course, triggers the Templars into action Um, in which they shut down the conclave entirely. Seeker Lambert then attempts to frame Reese for the murder of Faramond, classic Lambert, 
Um, and Reese is injured and imprisoned. But Cole comes to Reese's rescue and helps him escape the spire. Unfortunately, Lambert is able to track them down with the litany of Adrala, and they argue about Cole's true nature. After this argument, they fight. Cole gives into the belief that he's not real, which means that Reese loses any added strength that Cole was giving him, and he can't fight. He's injured. Evangeline comes to the rescue of Reese and injures Lambert. However, Lambert mortally wounds her, and then he leaves to fight the rest of the escaping mages. When then gives her life to save Evangeline because she knows that Reese loves her. Aww. So I wrote in my notes, um, the Dragon Age Keep says that Wynne is alive and well. Wynne is not alive and well. Wynne is dead. And so all I can think of is that meme. I think it's Tyler, the creator, and it's like, so that was an effing lie. Yeah. Yeah, Wynn is not alive and well, number one. Um, but anyway, so the mage resistance, including Reese, eventually flees to Andoral's reach in northwestern Orlay. At this point, Reese becomes the spokesperson for the Equitarians. Previously, I believe that it was Wynn. Um, and, you know, with her death, obviously there is that role is open. Um, and Reese actually is the one that made the tie-breaking vote for all of the mages to rebel against the Chantry. So if Cole is recruited to the Inquisition and you ask him about any friends, the Inquisitor can do a war table mission to locate both Reese and Evangeline. It turns out they've been captured by Red Templars and the Inquisition has the opportunity to save them. They can then join the Inquisition as agents. Reese was also supposed to attend the original Chantry Conclave, but Evangeline talks him out of it, which is a good thing because he'd be dead. And then the very last thing I have to say about Reese, and this is not officially canon, like it never says this plainly, but the world of Thetis Encyclopedia Volume 2 implies and hints that Knight Commander Gregor is Reese's father. I totally see it. Um, just yeah. because it just makes sense, especially like when is so convinced that Gregor will not do the right of annulment. She is, even though he said he would. <laughs> right. Like, and, like, he is, like, so unenthusiastic about, like, actually doing the right of annulment, which I think, like, Gregor's not a bad knight commander. Like, he's not perfect. No, but... he's not. He doesn't want to do the right of annulment. It's no. a very much a last resort for him. Right. And He's no Meredith. No. I don't think... I don't think we have met a knight commander that's like Meredith, except for maybe Lord Seeker Lucius. Um, or Lord Seeker Lambert. Lambert. Oh, that man. Right, but even Lambert has redeeming qualities. Meredith has no redeeming qualities. Lambert has one third of a redeeming quality. Okay, you're right. Um, <laughs> but, like, I could totally see that. I mean, 
it's totally likely that Templars and mages would engage in relations. You're trapped in this circle and like these are people you see every day. Like they're still human beings with feelings. Yeah, and it it, it is likely because it does happen frequently mm-hmm. and there are rules against it. Right. Which they had to instate because it happened so often. Right. Seems like everything could be solved with vows of chastity, but or made worse, you mean? <laughs> It seems like everything could be solved by, like, letting these people have homes and families. Hmm. Imagine. Imagine if they had more love in their lives. You mean if they got, like, things, like, they, like, guaranteed, like, health care and <laughs> stability and things like that, people would tend to be better? I mean, to be fair, I think they do have some stability in the circles, at yeah. least. But, yeah, like that. Well, do you have any other thoughts about the circles? Um, just that I hope that we get to see kind of the Imperial Chantry side of circles. Um, I think that we said this last week, but you're right that the for the Southern circles could very much learn from the Tevinter circles and like how to treat that kind of thing. And like I'm pick when you describe a Tevinter circle. I'm picturing Hogwarts, except run by evil blood ma- magic magisters. <laughs> Hogwarts during the last book. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> not all magisters are evil, obviously. Dorian Pavis right, is, right, sure. is a magister. Um, but. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I do. I really do. So that's that. All right. Yep. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Dragon Age Lorecast. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at dalorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. How well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.